0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast, this is Pastor Deary. Psalm 3427 reveals that God delights in the prosperity of His servants, and to prosper means to be equipped for a journey. The giants in our life are those obstacles that stand between us and God's promises of prosperity and purpose. God empowers us to overcome these giants so that His purposes and plans can be fulfilled in the church. In today's message, we look at the seven keys for facing and overcoming your giants, in a message titled, Battle Plan for Overcoming, from our series titled, The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the podcast. Now, later today, we're going to give you, uh, Wednesday night, we had tremendous uh, prayer and praise and worship uh, uh, the other night, and we had some, uh, uh, again, Dr. Ron Cooley was with us, and he uh, Uh, minister to us in in worship, and we had some great prayer, and we concluded with a church confession that you're going to be receiving in a little while here, I'm going to give to you towards the end of service. But we want to begin with just kind of refreshing you again, and again, repetition is one of the ways in which we learn, amen? So sometimes you say, Pastor said that before, and my answer is, yes, I did. (laughs) <laughs> yes i did say that before because repetition is how we get things in our hearts amen i listened to this when i was i was 17 years old and this rap song came out i'm not gonna rap it but this particular song was one of these songs you didn't hear everywhere and it was only on this this this, this uh, you guys heard of k radio Yeah, K-Poo was the only place, the the commercial places didn't play this. K-Poo was the only place you could hear this song. And so this song was playing on there, and I got my cassette tape player, and I put it by my radio, and I recorded my cassette tape of this. uh, (laughs) Amen. Yes, pirates back in the day, right? So I recorded this message. Uh, not this message. I recorded this rap song. And I recorded it. I got on my, on my cassette player. And I played that thing over and over and over and over again. I played it so many times. And man, uh, uh, you know, me, and me and only a handful of people knew it. And so every now and then we'd get in a circle at school. And we would couple, pull little lines out. Somebody said, say, oh man, you, you was on k pop huh? Yeah, I was on k I, I I recorded it. So this little thing we got. And I listened to this over and over again. And here I am in my 50s and if i wanted to i could i could i could rap back all 7 minutes of this of this thing <laughs> 7 minutes of rap and i could i could take it back and i could go from a to z i could go all the way through because repetition got it in my heart and it's there and whatever we put into our hearts our mind, if you will, your soul, it doesn't just leave. It's there. And so that's why in the book of Romans, chapter 12, Paul said, Listen, my brethren, I want you to understand. You need to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is to God, which is your reasonable service, and Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because whether you know it or not, your mind has a whole lot of things in it that aren't renewed. (laughs) And when you're not paying attention, they will rise up and they will guide you. And you are most vulnerable to the things that you hold unconsciously in your mind when you are in states of high levels of emotion. And one of the highest levels of emotion is fear. So we're talking about conquering or facing our giants. You have to understand the giants are not the fear. The giants are just obstacles. They're just there. They're just things out there and they can be whatever they are. The real thing you have to overcome is not the giant. You have to overcome the fear. Because once you overcome the fear, you will understand that you already have victory over the giant. (laughs) Amen. Come on. When you overcome the fear, when you become an overcomer of fear, the giant will fall. Amen. But many of us are fighting the giant, trying to subdue the giant, and you can't seem to subdue him. And it's not because he's more superior to you. It's because he knows something you don't know. He knows that he beat you here. Before he ever beats you here. We read about the children of Israel standing on the hillside with King Saul, their, their, their commander in chief who stood head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. And here they are standing on the hillside. The Philistines have come to their land camped in their land and sent one man, not the whole army. They sent one man into the valley, a giant named Goliath, who we all heard about, standing nine feet tall. And he stands there and he says, send me one man. You don't need to send your whole army. Just send one man down. And me and him will fight. And then whoever wins, the rest of you will be slaves of them. So if we win, you become our slaves. But if you win... We'll become your slaves. But they were all frozen with fear. Warriors. Frozen with fear. And nobody went down to Goliath. Because of the fear that overcame them. But Goliath wasn't the problem. The problem was their fear. The problem was what was inside of them. And we told, told you, we look back, we look back in the book of Numbers when the children of Israel had a promise from God that they're supposed to go into the promised land. You're supposed to go. God said, this is the land I showed you. I took you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. I took care of the Egyptian army. I took care of them. I brought you out. I made Pharaoh give you stuff on your way out. Now go take a look at my promise that I'm bringing you to. And when they got there, they said, we can't go in there. Because there's giants in there. And those giants see us like grasshoppers. And we see ourselves like grasshoppers. That thought, that issue of inadequacy, that we're not enough, or we're not prepared enough, or we're not strong enough, or we're not nice looking enough, or we're not, 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 we're not smooth enough, or whatever we believe, that we're not articulate, whatever it may be, the things that hold us from moving into what God promises us, those things are the giants. But those things only have power when we see ourselves like grasshoppers and i know most people say i don't see myself like a grasshopper i know you don't until you're under pressure yeah. amen most of us don't look in the mirror and say man i look green today <laughs> it's not until we get in the crisis or we get in a challenge when the fear rises then that grasshopper within appears amen but this is the no grasshopper zone amen we're trying to eradicate the grasshopper inside of us and i'm not trying to get it out of you i'm getting it out of me too amen because we're going to overcome together because together we are the church and the church is the most powerful thing on the planet earth And as long as the church is asleep, the church can't fulfill what it does. But when the church awakes and the church has no fear, when the church is everything that God has called it to be, it is, without a doubt, the most powerful thing on earth because it serves the most powerful God there is. Amen. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? So we've been talking about the journey 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I, belo- I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, we need the soul to prosper. But if fear is abiding in the soul, then we will struggle to prosper. And remember what prosper means. It means to be what? Prepare for the journey. We are fully equipped fully stocked, fully ready for the journey that we're on. And the journey that you're on is the journey of your life. And your life has an expected end, which is purpose from God. God has ordained that you have a purpose. God has ordained that you have a reason for being here, that there are a series of things that you are set to accomplish on the course of your life. And those things are ordained by God, authored by God, and they are always accomplished according to God's purpose. And the only thing that will stand between you and those things is the giants. Matthew 6 and 33. Part of our process is understanding. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added to you. What are all these things? Whatever you need, whenever you need it. We're going to seek the kingdom when we're in need. My practice as a young man was that I sought whatever I thought was a good idea when I found myself in need. I need a good idea right now. I need an idea And sometimes God said, don't look for an idea. Look for me. I'll give you ideas. Amen. Look for me. I will give you ideas. I'll show you the way you should go. Remember what I told you earlier about Isaiah? I'm the one who redeemed you. I'll show you which way to go. So seek me, seek the kingdom, and my righteousness. What is righteousness? Being right standing with God. Seek these things and then everything else will get added to you. Amen. And then Psalm 35 that I quoted earlier is correctly called it Isaiah 26. But I uh, Psalm 35 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And this is God talking. So I said, let you rejoice. Be glad. Shout. (laughs) That was time to go. Hallelujah. But uh, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in what? The prosperity of his servant. Anybody tells you God doesn't want you to prosper, you need to say, you need to read this book. (laughs) You need to read the Bible. Now, does God want you to be greedy? Does God want you to, to do too much? Does God want you, uh, uh, again, off your, uh, out of your mind because you think you have so much resource? No, that's not what God wants. But God does want you prospering, which means to be equipped for your journey. And the more of a big journey God shows you, the more prosperous you need to be. Amen. Let the Lord be magnified. What does it mean to magnify something? Make it bigger. Does it get bigger? Ah, there we go. The thing doesn't get, the thing doesn't change its size. Your view of it changes size. (laughs) Let the Lord be magnified. He's not getting any bigger, but your eyes should get bigger in seeing how big he is. Amen. Magnified. Amen. When you magnify, you see something bigger and then you look down into the details. Come on, you go on Google Maps, the world didn't shrink. <laughs> you, it, it, it went to where you can see it and then you magnify so you can look closer. Let the Lord be magnified. In other words, look closer at God. Why? Because he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his saints, of his servants. Amen. Woo, come on, God. Come on. So your, your journey, you need to recognize that, number one, Paul said, I'm praying for you. And you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your soul is key to your prosperity. How your soul responds to things gauges largely in how you prosper. Number two, don't look for stuff. Look for the kingdom. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will get added to us. All the stuff that shows us prosperity on our journey gets added. And then you need to be confident because the Lord, let him be magnified, who takes pleasure in your prosperity. Your prosperity is your ability to accomplish what God has set you here to do. So there's some things I get doubts about. I said, Lord, can we really do this? And the Lord said, magnify me. (laughs) Magnify. He said, said, you're looking too wide. You You need to narrow your vision. You need to look closer at me. And when you look closer at me, then you won't ask that question. Amen. Now, don't ask the question if you doubt. If you doubt, ask God. Because if the man, remember, he gives liberally. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach. But let him ask in faith. Amen. And him ask in faith. Believing. So the first thing is believing. And then we talk to you about prosperity comes in five distinct areas of our life. How we relate to God. Knowing him as king. Knowing him him as what used to we refer to as Jehovah, who now we refer to as Abba. He's Abba to us now. Jesus said, this is how you're going to pray now. He said, everybody used to pray a different way. All the Jewish rabbis, they learned how to pray. Oh, great Jehovah out in the sky. But he said, you're going to pray like this. Our father. Woo, come on. Come on. He went from out there to here. Abba, our Father, intimate, close to us. So that's number one. You prosper by relationship with God. Number two, you prosper by relationships with the people who you are around, who God has supernaturally placed in your life. Your oikos. Who are those people God has supernaturally put in your life? Because he supernaturally puts them there for reason and for purpose. And it's usually one of three reasons. Number one, that you're there to sow to them. Number two, that they're there to sow to you. Yeah. Number three, that you're called to be partners in whatever that is. Amen. So your oikos, everybody in your oikos is there for one of those three reasons. Sowing into, being sown from, or becoming a partner in whatever something, whatever the thing is you're joined to do. Me and my wife are partners in raising our children. Raising, living our lives together. We're partners in ministry. We're partners. Because God sent us to be partners. Amen. When I gave my life to the Lord, God sent me to Revival Center Ministries. And there, Pastor Ricky Nutt became the one who was sowing into me. And I got sown into. And so that relationship was being sown. George Brown, Pastor Ricky Nutt, those two men of God, they sowed into me. And then... God set some other people in place, Elder Eddie Wells and Pastor Ron Burris. They began sowing into me, and I began learning from them, and I began growing from them. And then God placed people that I was there to sow into. And people began coming to classes that I was teaching and i being been sowing into them and pouring out on them. So every relationship around always had been one of those things. And then I had other people who we were partnered together with. Uh, the Women's uh, Network, the, where you guys are going, Pastor Fernando Thomas and Pastor Marie, Pastor, me and Pastor Fernando, we were partners together. We were shoulder to shoulder. We taught classes together. We swept the church together. We did things together. We, we worked together. We were sowing why? because we became partners in that ministry. And so all the relationships in your life, they all come down to that. And we grow in proportion to how we benefit from our oikos. Amen. Number three, your gifts and talents, right? Your charisma. The charisma. Charisma means gifts. And you have natural gifts without, you can't count all the natural gifts you have. You're gifted and talented without measure you got ministry gifts. God gives you ways to minister to others that come by your faith. He said, and by faith you can serve. By faith you can have compassion. By faith you can teach. By faith you can have, uh, uh, you can administrate. By faith you do those things. And then he has spiritual gifts which come as the Spirit wills. The Spirit comes and the Spirit moves through you supernaturally and you get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy or you have a miracle happen through you or you have special gifts of faith. When nobody else has faith, then all of a sudden you got faith to believe and to do some things. Those things happen through you and that becomes more of your prosperity. And then you have being alive in Christ. You have the fact that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. and You have sozo. And so you have not only gifts but now you have another air prosperity which is your physical wellness and your spiritual wellness and your soul wellness when I gave my life to Jesus I had a spirit of anger on me and that spirit lifted I was angry so angry and all of a sudden I said yes to Jesus And in the moment, literally in the moment, the Holy Spirit got in my heart and all of a sudden that anger just lifted off my life. Man, why? Because I was being made whole. Amen. Anger is not whole. Anger is a problem. Anger is a point of pain that is inflamed. Amen. So when you get that Spirit of God in you and you let him come down, he starts to weed out those things and push that anger off of you. And what we found in this country is when we stopped allowing children to know about God, the anger and frustration in our communities went through the roof. And that's why we're surprised children brought guns to school. Yeah, they're angry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're angry. They're hurt. And everybody says, you can't talk about God. You can't pray. You can't do this. You're, You're free in this country. Do whatever you please, except don't let God in your life. <laughs> Amen. If you let God in your life, you might offend somebody. Oh, really? How's God in my life going to offend you? It's a spirit that's out there. And the only way for us to heal our nation is to be made whole. We have to be made whole. And the fifth area is kingdom supply, God providing for our needs supernaturally, and it's based on access to things by faith. That by faith, we get things we need. And again, I mentioned before, we haven't talked about this in detail. And the reason we haven't talked about it, because as I was getting ready to, the Holy Spirit said, no. Deal with the Giants. Deal with the Giants. So last week we talked about um, six areas in which fear attacks us. Right? Fear of poverty and failure. Fear of rejection and criticism. Fear of sickness, weakness, or not measuring up. Fear of love or emotional wounding. Fear of aging or missing out on life or things, and then the fear of death those are six primary fears, and any kind of phobia people mention, they all route back to this Now it's very important that you understand this when we say no fear because there's 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 healthy fear, and then there's phobia. Healthy fear is what is in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. That's the kind of fear we want, to have an awe or a reverence for something. When I was playing sports, we would get pumped up for certain games because we respected the other team. We had an awe of them, uh, uh, an understanding that we we needed to bring our A game in order to win. That fear is good. That's the kind of concern that we want to have. That, that's, that's healthy. That says, okay, I need to rise to the occasion. That's the kind of thing that God ordains for us. What God doesn't ordain is phobia. Phobia is those types of fears that are paralyzing to us, that allow make us run rather than pursue. It is the things that make us hide rather than rise. It is the things that cause us to to, uh, to not feel strong enough or equipped enough to deal with what we have to deal with. Those are the fears that we have to overcome. Those are the six fears that we just laid out there. Those six fears are detrimental and tear you down. Those things will will stop you from pursuing and doing what God has called us to do. And it is critical that we overcome. So I want to give you a battle plan for overcoming today. Amen. Amen. You need a battle plan. Because it's a war. Amen. Number one. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Fear doesn't come from God. So I'm going to give you seven points. Seven points. I may not get through all of them today. But I'm going to give you seven points for your battle plan to overcome fear. Fear does not come from God. And when we're talking about this type of fear, this phobia, this doesn't come from God. God. And so sometimes we have come to accept our fears. But our fears are not from God. So just like I can't accept sin in my life, when I know it's sin and I know what it is and I I understand what it is, I can't accept it. I have to push it off because I have victory over it. But I also have victory over these fears. And so I have to recognize, fear did not come to me from God. God doesn't send it. So we know fear. Second Timothy verses um, chapter one verse seven. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Let's read it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of and and of a. Put put your finger on your head on your temple. Say, I have a sound mind. Come on now. Put your hand on your heart and say, I have, I have love, in my heart. love in my heart. And then just, just flex. Come on. Say, I got, I got power. Come on. <laughs> Amen. God didn't give you fear. What God gave us was power. We believe sometimes the gospel makes us soft, but the gospel makes you strong. Amen. The gospel makes you strong. And what does it do? It also, it makes you fill with love. And you get a clear and sound mind. Clear and sound mind. Worry is not the product of a sound mind. Anxiety is not the product of a sound mind. That's your old nature trying to dominate you. But I'm a new creation. Come on, say, I'm a new creation. When, you're, when those things come at you and they come at us all, when they come at us, you need to make a declaration, I'm a new creation. I'm not going to be in anxiety right now. I am not going to be afraid right now. Matter of fact, Lord, I'm, come on, let me keep on tech. Come on, I'm going. Fear doesn't come from God. Number two, take authority over your thoughts. You have to take authority over your thoughts. So do your thoughts drive you or do you drive your thoughts? Amen. So the goal is to make sure you take authority over your thought life. And you say, well, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I'm going to show you how to do it. Because the Bible tells us how to do it. Amen. Now, do you got your Bible open to Philippians? Amen. I ask you all to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Not only your heart, but it will guard your mind. Amen. Sometimes you need your mind guarded. Amen. Come on. There's some important stuff in here. I need a guard around this mind. Yes. This mind can't just be wandering. I can't have just anything flying in here. Amen? Yes. I need to have a guard on my mind. Amen? Yes. Amen. Y'all, y'all, did you, how many of y'all had Scotch guard on your couch? Because somebody go spill something. Amen? Somebody's trying to spill something on your mind, and you need to have some Scotch guard so that you can repel those things when they come. Amen? Yes. Amen. Somebody comes to me sometimes and says stuff, and I'm like, why is they telling me this? <laughs> don't, I don't want my mind going there. Don't tell me that. Amen. Uh, next verse. Finally. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was right. Finally, my brother, whatever things are. Whatever are. Whatever are. Whatever are. Whatever, are, whatever things are. Whatever things are, if there's anything virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these these things. Now, look what it doesn't say. It doesn't say whatever things are broke down, whatever things are wrong, whatever things are messed up, whatever things are ugly, whatever things are bad reports, uh, the things that are unvirtuous and all bad things, meditate on that. No, it's telling you, you have the power to consciously place your mind on the right things. Now, wrong things will always come to get you. But you need to say, no, I'm meditating on the right things. And notice what it says. It says, meditate on these things. Amen? Meditate. What does meditate mean? Ponder think about, get your mind focused on these things. Good reports. If you go to the doctor, the doctor says, your cholesterol's good, this is good, that's good, but this. When you leave the hospital, more likely than not, the but this is what you're going to be focused on. It don't make no difference how much good stuff he told you. Everything's, Everything's in line. 25 of the 26 tests we did are all good. But test 26, they had a little spike. Oh, oh no. It's because that, that fear tries to become a giant. But we got to meditate on what is the good report. But we got to meditate on what things are just. Are right. Right now we are, cons- we are consumed in this country with injustice, and injustice is wrong. Injustice is wrong. You can't call wrong right. But we are consumed with it, and we can't see anything good about anybody unless they say what we say. And that divisive spirit I told somebody uh, a couple of years ago something happened in our government, and I said Divide and conquer, oldest trick in the book. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Amen. Number three is keep your focus on God and your redemption. If you're gonna overcome fear, you gotta keep your focus on God and the redemption that's on your life. Do you know why all the people froze when they saw Goliath? Because they focused on Goliath. David didn't focus on Goliath because Goliath said, I come to you. And this is what he told Goliath. He comes down, he said, You a little boy. Come? They said, this is all they got on the warriors up there. They sent a little boy after me. <laughs> he said, You coming with sticks? <laughs> that's what you come to me with? With sticks? And he said, you know what? Yeah, I came with sticks and I came in the name of the Lord. (laughs) I've killed lions and bears and you're going to be like them. And this day, today, I'm taking your head from you. If anybody tells you they're taking your head from you, they mean business. (laughs) Derry Moten, I'm taking your head today. Okay, you serious? Okay, I think I need to take you serious. (laughs) But he said, I came in the name of the Lord. My focus is on, not on you. you. You're incidental, giant. What I'm focused is on, on God and me. And when you face your fears, you have to be confident to keep your focus on God and not the problem. Amen. Amen. Keep your focus on God and not the problem. We were looking at, Let's go to 1 John. We uh, went there before. First John 4 and 4. Little children. Actually, I don't have to turn there. You can just write it down. We're going to move quick because I'm running out of time. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is what? Greater than he that's in the world. Amen. Your confidence has to be on God in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when your hope is, in, is not in you, but Christ in you, is what allows you to go beyond where you believe you can go. Amen. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, Christ in me. me. Amen. Amen. Now tell your other neighbor, say, I've overcome. overcome. Because Because. he that's in me is is greater than he He who's in the world. Amen. Amen. Number four. I'm going to move quick here. Number four: Understand your triggers. <laughs> Y'all like that one, huh? Hmm. Understand your triggers. See, some of us we find ourselves in an angry place, and we don't know how did I get here because you haven't you you don't know what your triggers are. Amen. If I you know, do you remember those old bear traps? The big old giant, a big circle with the, the claws around it, and you got the little trigger in the middle. And the, and the one you have to actually step over the claw and to actually step on the trap to make it happen, right? Yeah. Well, if you see the trigger and you know what's going to happen, then you walk around it. But if you don't know what the trigger is, you'll step on it and say, man, how did that happen? You stepped on the trigger, man. If you understand triggers, then you have to understand how to avoid certain things. And we know this, but do you know your triggers? Do you know the things that trigger you? When you find yourself, man, I'm in depression right now. Do you understand how you got there? Do you understand what the trigger was that took you there? Do you understand what took you there? Because if you can't identify what took you there, you'll have a hard time getting out of there. Because even when you come out, you'll step on the same trigger. Amen. Amen. If you know that certain things, certain words, I've identified certain words I don't like people to say to me. Don't say this word, please, under no circumstance, don't say this word. And don't, if you do say it, don't aim it at me. It's a trigger. I figured out what the triggers were. I never knew. All of a sudden, one day I had to meditate. I said, that's the trigger. That's what sets me off. That's what gets me. There's certain things I observe, behaviors I see in the world, and they get to me. They make me mad when I see them, and they. they and when I get mad, I get in a un, unpenetrable place. <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I, f- I feel something right around right around here somewhere. I feel something. <laughs> but I've had to come to recognize that there's a place where I get to where in this place when the trigger is set I fall into this swirl of rehearsing that same thing over again and my mental discipline falls down the tank. And all I do is focus on that thing and I become paralyzed because I can't move forward because I'm stuck because I didn't recognize my trigger. Now, when you recognize the trigger, what you should aim yourself to do is to find out why is the trigger a trigger in the first place? Most of the time, those kinds of emotional triggers, when they happen, they're centered on an event or a trauma or something that has been reinforced in your life that you've attempted to overcome outside of the power of God. (laughs) Amen. When you find it, you need to overcome it with the power of God. That usually comes in the form of finding the word and getting your confession together concerning those things. Amen. Hallelujah. Number five. Number five is move forward in obedience. Move forward in obedience to what God has spoken. You find your trigger once you find it, you need to then heed the word. Because heeding the word is what helps you move forward. Go back to we still got your finger in Philippians. Amen. Look at Philippians uh, 4 and 9. Philippians 4 and 9. He said, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. <laughs> Like the word says, don't just know it, do it. When you know that I can rise up out of my anger, do it. When you know your redemption has given you freedom over sin, do it. When you know that you've been healed by the stripes of Jesus, when you know that God has taken care of your heart, your emotions, then do it. You got to do it. You got to not just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. Paul said, He said, these things you saw. You received it. You saw me. You saw me do it. You saw me live it. You heard me preach it. He said, Now I want you to do it. You got to do what you saw and heard. And when you do, then the peace of God is going to come. See, the peace of God comes when we actually activate God's word. And we know we're moving in righteousness and obedience to him. And when we know that, there's a peace that comes on you that removes pressure and stress. And it removes fears. Because that peace of God that goes past understanding, it can't be imitated and it can't be duplicated. Amen. You got the peace of God or you don't. Amen. And if you don't, you can get it. Amen. The peace of God that goes past your understanding. Alright, let's go back. Let's look, uh, look at, go back to verse 6. Let's go through this whole thing. I want you to look at this whole sequence. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. What's prayer and supplication? It's something you got to do. <laughs> Amen. It's something you got to do. Be anxious for nothing. Don't get anxious. Do something anxiousness makes you just sit and worry and you're worried and you're trying to figure things out instead of doing something which is prayer and supplication, make your request known to God talk to God about your problem amen I had somebody, uh, we were talking to them and they said, you know what I'm going to do I'm going to stop asking people all these questions they said I get into situations and I start asking people what do you think, what do you think and she said then five people give me five different things and I'm confused, I don't know what to do I said you need to stop asking everybody questions go to God Don't get anxious, but in everything, everything, my prayer and supplication, what? Make your requests known to God. Paul said this. He said, I was, I was, I was living my life and I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, I didn't ask a whole bunch of people what to do. I talked to God and God gave me wisdom. Amen. And that's what you need. You need the wisdom of God operating in life because when you're confident in God, you can face things when you when you hear other people's opinions Amen <laughs> I can't say that Amen Sorry <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> When you do that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace of God, once again. Peace of God that goes past understanding will guard your mind. So when you've got to do something, you've got to move forward because those things are showing activation that bring about an impact in your life. All right? Number six. Do not isolate yourself. When you get into fear, is not the time for you to hide. Because hiding is a manifestation. I want you to think about this. Hiding is the first manifestation of the sin nature. We have in biblical interpretation what we call the first mention principle. In other words, when you do research, the first time you see something mentioned helps you understand the context in which God uses it throughout scripture. And the first instance of hiding in the Bible is Adam hiding from God. Hiding is not God's will. He hid himself. When when the prophet Elijah found himself afraid of the voice of Jezebel, he hid. Fear makes you hide. And sometimes you can't hide yourself so you try to hide the fear. <laughs> and sometimes the hiding of fear, it manifests in overcompensation. I'm afraid of people, so I'm going to hit them before they hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how, how, most, how most bullies are born. Most bullies are born because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the tone right now. I'm going to make sure don't, nobody say nothing to me. Don't bother me because I'm going fi- to find one in the crowd. You. Pop. I'm knocking you out. And then now i got a reputation. Now it's cool. I don't have to worry about this no more. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Fear makes people hide. And hiding is not just physically hiding. Sometimes hiding is camouflaging things. And so we camouflage things. And so unfortunately, you hear people, you hear people, great com- it's, it's, it's common among comedians. Comedians make people laugh because they're masking fear in the heart. And that fear, that, that overcompensation with making everybody laugh and making everything good then manifests them once once it quiets down, I go back into depression. To understand that fear doesn't, again, it doesn't just show up in one kind of way. It shows up sometimes in people trying to be strong to hide their actual weakness. I know somebody who has a real issue with abandonment. And because they have a issue with an abandonment, they always try to act like, don't nobody make no difference to me. I don't need you. <laughs> They're always doing that. Always that behavior. And unfortunately that behavior ends up manifesting in people actually doing what they don't want them to do. Is leaving. (laughs) Walking away from them. Why? Because they haven't come to understand the trigger. Emotional trigger that is set that causes them to on purpose isolate. But unfortunately the isolation actually brings about the very thing that they don't want. Job said it like this. That which I have greatly feared has now come upon me. Isolation is a form of fear. Hebrews 10 and 25. We're going to look. You can write it down. We'll bring it up on the screen. Hebrews 10 and 25. It says, Not neglecting to meet together as is the custom or habit of some, but encouraging one another. Because see, when you isolate, you can't get no encouragement. When you isolate yourself, there's nobody there to encourage you. So all that happens is when you isolate, it takes you further down the hole. But encouraging one another. In other words, we come together as a church. Why? To encourage one another. To love each other. To grow together. To learn together. And when you isolate yourself, you put yourself in position where eventually what you fear overwhelms you. And he says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, all the more. You need to come together. When The, wor- the worse the world gets, the more we need to come together. Amen? The worse the world gets, the more we need to come. When you see the day coming, you see it coming, you got to draw together more. We have to encourage each other, strengthen each other, build each other up even more. Because isolation destroys people. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right here. I can't go. There's one, there's one more, but I'm, I'm going to stop here because I'm going to take these a little bit deeper as we go forward. But right now, what I want you to get, here's the big walk takeaway. You need to look at these areas, these six that I've given you so far, you need to look closely at them and you need to take your own fears that you're dealing with and you need to start taking action against those fears. When you look at your life, you say, okay, I, I do. I have a problem. And we gave you more, last week, we gave you more details about those six areas. If you look at them and say, I'm a procrastinator, I am a procrastinator. You need to confess that what you are first and then confess your overcoming. That's how you got saved. You had to confess that you were a sinner. You had to say, I was born a sinner. I know what I am. And so now I thank you. I received Jesus as my sinless substitute so that I, who was filled with sin, have now become the righteousness of God in him. And you need to be able to say, I'm a procrastinator. It means I have a fear of success. or I have a fear of failure. Whichever one it is, they're the same coin. They're just the other side of the coin. But because I'm afraid, this is what I do. And so now I confess that. And now that I've confessed it, I thank you, Lord, for making me complete in Christ. Therefore, I will not fear falling. I won't fear failing. I'm going to do what I need to do today. Today, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to write it down, make it plain. And then I'll prioritize what I have. Whatever comes first is going first. Whatever's next is coming next. And I'm going to work through my list. And I'm going to do what I need to do. And if it's writing, if it's going to school, if it's doing whatever we need to do, write it down and say, I'm overcoming this today. I'm doing something today. Today, I'm going to do it. Today, I'm going to see God as my completer. Whatever excuse I have for not doing, thank you, Lord, that you made me whole. Thank you you supply all my need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And whatever it is that I'm lacking, I thank you that I will not lack it. Because you're going to provide for me. I thank you whatever my hands need to do today. You're going to make me use those things as unto you. And today, I'm going to prosper in the way that I go. I'm going to put my hands to whatever and it's going to be blessed. When I'm tempted to do less than excellent, I'm going to kick myself in my rear end and I'm going to do what I need to do. Amen. Amen. Whenever I'm tempted to do less than what excellent is unto you, I'm going to correct myself and I'm going to do as unto the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord, giving thanks to him. Amen. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord because that's keeping your mind Focused on him. One last passage I didn't cover. I want to hit real quick. Go to um Go to Isaiah twenty-six. That's the one that's the one. I called the wrong passage the one, and then I missed the one I want to give. I want you to go. Isaiah 26 and 3. I want you to see it with your eyes. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. When you get there, say Amen. amen. I need a few more of y'all to say amen. amen. I need at least one more of y'all to say amen while I amen. get there. <laughs> amen. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen. God said, I'm going to keep you in perfect peace if you just trust me. Woo, amen. Come on. Wasn't that in the worship today? Trust you. Oh, whoa, come on. I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. Woo, come on. Keep God at the focus of your thoughts, keep him in the focus of your thoughts. Listen, this is a battle plan. I want you to go to war on fear. Go to war on fear in your life. Go to war on fear. You've got to do it. You've got to come out after it. Conquer it. Conquer it. Because there are giants who are waiting for you to come boldly to them. But you won't go until you conquer the fear. Conquer the fear. And I'm going to keep on. I'm going to stay on this until God lets me go. not going to leave it until God says we can leave it. But we're going to overcome fear. We're going to overcome fear. There's going to be a righteous boldness in this church that we are righteous and bold to love without abandon. Because we have no fear. Because we don't fear. The only thing we fear is the Lord. We reverence him. We understand him. We're blessed by him. We understand his goodness and his mercy. And we can praise and worship him and understand his grace is good forever. And we understand those things. And we're going to come together and we're going to bring our faith together. Because as we put fear to rest, our faith is going to rise. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for slaying fear in our midst right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that your word never fails. It always prospers in the thing that you sent it to do. Therefore, Thank you for listening to today's message titled, The Journey, Part 29, Battle Plan for Overcoming. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our page, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch all of our live stream worship services, which are broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also, you can feel free to join us for any live service on a Sunday morning if you're in the city of Vallejo. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.